Welcome to the Get Together. It's our show about ordinary people building extraordinary communities. I'm your host, Bailey Richardson. I'm a partner at People and Company and a co-author of Get Together, How to Build a Community with Your People. And I'm Najma Soul, Get Together Correspondent and Community Builder. Currently, I'm helping connect and support founders by building products for earnest capital. In each episode of our podcast, we interview everyday people who have built extraordinary communities about just how they did it. How did they get the first people to show up? How did they grow to hundreds, maybe thousands more members? Today, Naj has brought a really special conversation to the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to Cayenne Dorishow. She's an author, activist, organizer, and the founder and CEO of Glitz, Gays and Lesbians Living in a Transgender Society. At the Brooklyn Liberation Rally, which she co-organized in June, Cayenne announced that Glitz has raised more than $1 million to secure stable housing for Black trans New Yorkers, and she's now purchased that property. An incredible feat. What's one thing you learned from our conversation today with Cayenne, Naj? You know, despite all the media coverage around the fundraising, the part of Glitz that I'd never heard talked about till today was the how. How will Glitz build a home for their community members? Who lives there? How do they interact? And what does success look like? And so those questions are the very ones every community builder considers. And Cayenne and Glitz have the ambitious vision for the future. They're actually planning to turn the Glitz house into a home specifically for Black trans leaders and using community-created agreements to say what's okay and what's not okay as they grow together. Yeah, you'll get to learn all the details of how she's thinking about such an ambitious project. You ready? Should we jump in? Yeah, let's do it. Woo! (laughs) Cayenne, welcome to the podcast. It is, as a young queer, it's an honor to have you here. And I've been excited all day um, to, to be able to interview you and learn from you. And the first question I'd love to ask you is one that we like to ask everyone who comes on the podcast, which is we like to say that when you're organizing communities, you you can't fake the funk. People have to have a really deep personal motivation to serve others and especially to serve others for as long as you have. So I just wanted to ask you, you know, what do you think it is about you, whether it was your upbringing, your personality, a life experience that motivated you to manifest the Glitz community into a reality? Oh my God. Um, I think my, my work started because I believed in myself, um, as an old pro and a young pro and an old pro. Um, I kind of always tried to tote the line of really holding myself accountable. So if I can hold myself accountable, I can do the work not really getting into everybody's dramas and stuff like that is the continuation of the work. When I created this, I wasn't stuck. I knew what I wanted to do and I knew what direction I wanted to work. Mm. One quote that I read from you that really moved me was um, you said that you, this, this was describing actually you was, it says that she has become the parent that she desperately wanted as a child. Do you, do you feel like that's an accurate description of the work you're doing still or? That's very accurate. Um, I literally have children all around the world. I love each and every one of them. I cry when they cry. I breathe when they breathe. 
I help them whenever they need it. I literally push education down their throats. That's what my parents tried to do with me. And I, I just feel like you have to be that family that sometimes we don't have. Why education? As an older person um, and as someone that has lived a couple of decades, I realized that there were lacks and gaps in education because I was transgender, because I identified at an early age. There really wasn't education on both halves or in my parents' behalf and my teacher's behalf. There was no connection to a trans child. There was no language to being a trans child. There was no word being trans. So we didn't even have a name then. They didn't really see trans people. They just seen gays and lesbians. Mm. So you started Blitz in 2015, but I don't know if that was like formally the beginning of that kind of organizing. But like, what was happening in your life? What did you, what did those early days look like? Um, does, does Glitz look very different, you know, now <laughs> than it did at the beginning? I'd love to hear more about the beginnings. The beginnings was a lot of tokenization. Uh, it was working for an agency that didn't really value my brown skin, my black body, my mind. They just used me because of my notoriety. And they subsequently literally made me want to never work with community or organizations again. I was heartbroken by the process, abandoned and raw. That kind of taints, you know, the body of work. When your work is to deal with humanity and deal with a specific community, I was robbed of that. So... You know, my my focus was always on our community as a whole, not specifying one gender or this or that. Sex work is an LG or TLGBQIA community because as a whole, sex work, yes, that was my platform. That's how I grew. That's how I learned mm -hmm. a lot about organization. But community is who I am. And people would like, at, at the time, people literally wanted me to say their words. They wanted to monitor and censor my work and what I had to say. So this work began because I didn't want to do that. I knew that wasn't a thing to do. As a black person, I should never have a white person telling me what I can and can't say. So I took value and notice in my work, and I spoke up. I fought for myself and I started my own work when I was abandoned by this process, realizing that I didn't have to work with any of these people. My work starts with me and no one else. So I took ownership in what my vision was going to be, what my platform was going to be, who I'm going to help and the way I'm going to help. This, this actually has been a 20-year dream to do what has actually happened today, maybe over 20 years. But wow. when, you're, when you're thinking things into the light and it actually happens, it's because there was focus all the time. One, one story that you tell a lot is a story about a woman who reached out to you, who I believe lived in Uganda. Aaliyah. Aaliyah, Aaliyah Adams. She is amazing. She is thriving. 
She's going to nursing school. When she came here, she could barely speak English well. Now she's driving. She's thriving. She is gorgeous. When she made the call to me from Uganda, it was in the middle of the night, and I thought it was a joke. And clearly and quickly, I learned that this was a serious case, and she needed to get out of Uganda to save her life because a newspaper had put her down, along with 50 other queer wow. community oh members. Gosh. More like a hit list. Yeah. Because in Uganda, church overrides politics. Mm. And their ignorant beliefs would, would have led this girl to death. So immediately, I finagled. I did anything I could to get Aaliyah into the country. And then the day happened. When my next-door neighbor, Kim, got married, Aaliyah actually landed that day on a plane. Mm. I was so emotionally drained, but also so happy. Like, our first embrace, we were crying. Everybody was crying. I will never forget that day. Also, never forget that feeling of her shaking in JFK wow. and realizing she is home. She has a home. She doesn't have to run anymore. Mm. She can she can strive to be who and what she wants to be. And now she is a full-grown trans woman living a, an extraordinary life. That's the work. That's the work is mm. actually getting somebody to safety and just not giving a damn what anybody says, doing that. You called and I answered. That's it. She, I think, was described at least by Vogue as maybe the first first sort of member of of Glitz. Is that is that true, or how do you see that? That's one. That's one hundred percent true. Mm. Because I had just started the agency. I had done this mm. work forever, but this was now my work. It was my body of work, and nobody else had ownership or governing over my work. How did she find you? She called me through Facebook Messenger. Um, of course you would know the time frame is really off. Um, she called in the middle of the night and, you know, one of the things I remember is her not saying, ma'am, she said, mom, please help. Hmm. That, that hit me. I went back to sleep and I woke up in the morning and I called the Ugandan consulate and I probably made some mistakes in conversation because I didn't know the language of how to describe a trans woman in Uganda. Um, but they quickly gave me the backdoor conversation of what I could, could, could and couldn't say. So I remade that phone call and then we started the process of getting her asylum. This broken spirit became a whole woman, mm. lady, when she came to the U.S. Mm. And, and did it all independently on her own. Yeah. I was just a vessel to get her here. Mm. Her progress and her journey and her work was all her. One of the things I know you've said is that housing is, 
is healthcare. <laughs> and that really underpins your recent work, um, which culminated over the summer. You raised more than $1.3 million and recently used that money to close on a 12-unit building in New York, which to me is just such an incredible dream and such an incredible accomplishment. And I'm curious, yeah, how did that vision show up for you? How did you come to dream of a building, a 12 unit building? And when did you start to believe that this could be possible? I never thought this could be possible. (laughs) Uh, I, um, I've always believed in equity that we should have equity. So many years and decades of me trying to find sustainability. You start with you first. And when this happened, when I gave that speech and when my sister Rio Sophia, um, I was trying to raise money for my own sustainability. And, ooh, I don't want to cry. And my sister called me and said, what if I make you cry and we just go for a million dollars? I never thought this would happen. And the community showed up in such a well. It rocked me to my core. It it literally, I like I said, over twenty years, this was my vision mm. to buy real estate, to have equity, to build housing connected to education. Always a dream. I remember my attorney saying, "When this had happened, you're moving too fast." As a black trans woman, I'm you never moving too fast when it comes to sustaining a community. Um, no, I moved at the right time. The market sucks right now because of Corona. I was supposed to jump into this ideal building resource, which is a 12 unit building right across the street from a state park, a state park. There's a tennis court. In their front yard, basically. What? Yeah, this is beautiful. It's in a quiet, safe neighborhood. In the neighborhood I live in, so I know they're going to be safe. Two blocks away from public transportation. Right now, contractors are putting up chandeliers in all the hallways and vestibules because I want our community to live. I want them to get the essence of what excellence looks like. But I also need them. This is not ordinary housing. This is housing to create leaders. This is housing to give people scholarships and education and a home where they can pass this on. When they leave, they'll be able to buy property. Mm. Housing and health care should be something that coincide because we have been boxed in as people of color as as minorities, but definitely as queer community, as the LGBTQIA and all of that stuff, but definitely as trans women. And I would like to put trans first because still we're fighting. We're fighting to be trans yeah. when now we have a whole world of they, them, us, I, it, them, zig, you name it, who cares? But once again, it puts black trans women at the back of a fight that we originated. Stonewall did not start with just them two women. There were a lot of people's lives that were lost that fought. 
There are elders that are still living that was a part of that movement movement that are not acknowledged. Society has created that platform where we lose and forget the people that did the work before us. Can you tell us a little bit about just housing and how powerful it can be and why you start there? Any Anything else to just sort of bring that to life? When I think of housing, I think of my home. I think of what I've created. I, I want people to have more of that. I think as community, we deserve that. We have been iced out and boxed out of life and society forever. When I think of housing, I think of how my parents had this dream of owning property and building these homes. We had a Black history room. We had lots of art. But in the beginning of my transition, they sucked as parents. And I I Mm -hmm. lived in fear constantly. So... You know, me as an adult now, knowing how those gaps in my teenage years, how running away was in essence, and there was nothing. There was no program I can go to for myself because there was nothing for a trans child. We didn't even have a word, um, a name. And housing to me is for all. It's for all. Why not my community first? We have been last on the totem pole. Unless you're a white gay man of privilege or a white lesbian of privilege, if you're in this community, then you can afford that type of housing. Mm. Housing with excellence, housing that looks beautiful, housing without roaches and rats. Mm. I think we all deserve to live like that. I'm not one of those people that believes in projects or I don't. The fact that I bought a 12 unit building, I've never liked collective living ever, (laughs) but ever. Mm -hmm. And, and when you're creating for community, is it really safe for a black trans woman to live in a project? Hell no, but it would be safer for a gay white man in those projects. than it would be me. Mm. Um, And that's just all the way around the world. That's in the South. That's everywhere. So in creating a home, I'm creating sustainability that looks like excellence. And I'm creating excellence within the people that I'll be housing. I'm not just renting apartments. I'm renting apartments with the chance to get certifications, education, Mm. a college scholarship, because I want people to thrive. I want your, I want my work to be their work and I want their work Mm. to go on. Mm. It's not just that you're giving people a house, you're giving them a home and a family and just like a whole ecosystem to tap into when they get into those rooms, right? Like a project is just a house. It's 12 one bedroom apartments. They will not be in a room. I will not do that to anybody. <laughs> the SR the SRO system in New York City is a melting pot of drugs, sex, rock and roll, crystal meth, heroin. Why would they build a system that can ruin you? I am probably the first black trans woman to do what I'm doing, and I hope 
more people do this. I hope more black trans women do this because this needs to be done on every level. We need to pilot this program from state to state Mm -hmm. to state. We need to find a way to help. If we can help our own, we ain't got to worry about that. What goes into making someone into a leader? I'm sure you've done this before with members of the community, but what does it take and and what makes someone able to be a leader? It, well, one, it takes the ability to know what a leader looks like. Mm. And you pretty much know if people are full of shit. You're pretty much enough. Some of us do. I'm gullible as hell. <laughs> I I try not to be, but I try to lead by example. And I look for those diamonds in the rough. And I have gotten a couple of sour fucking eggs, let me tell you. <laughs> but I, I look for diamonds in the rough. We're living in horrible odds this day with that tangerine person in office. Mm. But we're able to look for the leaders that want to do the work. And those people are the people that come to me. Our application process is going to be like no other. I'm going to want to essay to what leadership looks like. Mm. I'm going to need you to write 500 to a thousand words. What's your work and your path is going to be while you're living in glitz housing. Mm. I'm going to need you to sign a contract saying you will go to school. You will abide by a community agreement developed by a community um, and not me. Mm -hmm. This community contract is going to be off the chain because they just think every way we can possibly fail ourselves, we will. So having the community actually design what this contract thing look like is going to be epic. It takes it out of my hand. If they sign it, I am not a three strikes you're out kind of person. If you make the first mistake, you'll probably be on your way out. I'm looking for excellence in human beings. I'm looking for excellence in community. And that's a lot to ask. But I require those standards my own damn self. So why wouldn't Mm. I want it for everybody else? Mm. You've got to embody what it is to help somebody and get somebody to the place of giving Mm. and learning and breathing and love. Mm. And if we have that kind of stuff going on, we can push people to a better place. I was on a panel yesterday with, with a lot of amazing people, Jamani Henry, I think it was Wednesday. Jamani Williams did this wonderful panel and there was some wonderful people on the panel, including my daughter, Twinkle Paul, who is a fabulous little chick in college, a trans woman, and fabulous and smart. And there was another person whose name I shall not mention. At that trans liberation march, she tried to threaten me if I didn't work with her. That's not a leader. She has her own organization. Think of the behavior. I'm not leading that way. I'm trying to take people out of that mindscape of being a thug and having these ghetto instincts and taking things to where it needs to look. Mm. With the class and dignity I've been able to raise myself with, that's what I'm going to lead with. I love that. I'm curious, too, you talked a little bit about some of the boundaries that you're going to have in the house, some firm boundaries. Mm. 
And, you know, with any kind of community, there are people like that are those diamond in the roughs who push the community forward and give so much to it. And then sometimes there are people that go through times where maybe they disrupt the community or they take more from it than they give. How do you approach like those dynamics, those harder dynamics with people, or how do you see that happening in the house? I'm looking for excellence so we can create excellence together. Mm -hmm. That's why my staff are doing like community focus groups to build that template and tool guide because each and every tenant in there will have a booklet of what not to do. Mm And they will have to sign on to that. And anytime they mess up, they can reference back to that book and we can reference back with them. But when I say we're contracting, yes, I'm, I'm a very stern person and I believe in great leadership. So we're going to sit down with you when you sign your contract and read it step by step. And for every rule or convention that's in there, you're going to have to sign your initial. So you know exactly what you're signing mm-hmm. on for. You said you're going to sit down with people and like go through an initial. Oh, Montfair, let me stop you right there, Montfair, (laughs) Montfair. Oh, let me stop you. This is what I pay staff for. Staff will sit down with the people. (laughs) We have to do that because I know our community. Um, This is not a home for just sex workers. This is not a home for sex workers. This is a home for a community that want to be leaders. So I have to be real clear there. A lot mm-hmm. of reporters are talking that this is just a place for sex workers. That would be called a brothel. So, you know, there's a language you have to mm-hmm. talk when you're having these conversations. Yeah. And, you know, reporters just like to throw in, oh, that's a sex workers. No, bitch, don't get me arrested. Um, we have to keep our community safe. If a girl or boy is in that building doing sex work and they get arrested, the whole building gets flagged in a wonderful neighborhood. Mm. Mm. So you can best believe as queer community, we're going to be under radar. One question, uh, one of our, our frequent listeners, Lisa, asked that we submit to you that I loved is Lisa says that she knows, noticed that you're constantly celebrating young folks in your life on social media. What does it mean to you to be celebrating so many young people? Cause I, I, ooh, I didn't have that. I didn't have a lot of that when, when I was coming mm. up and my, my children, all of them, no matter what nationality they are, I celebrate them. Um, three weeks ago, I lost my neighbor, and right before he died, he died in his sleep. Um, 34 years old. He literally, the Saturday before he died, he said, what do I have to do to be one of your kids? Oh, wow. And I say, Andrew, you already are. And then that Wednesday, he died. And you know that there's such power when you lead and you're a parent and here it is this cisgender man asked me to be his Mm. mom and his mom and dad are so much a part of my life now and mind you i just moved in here three months ago wow (laughs) and his dad 
We went to the beach last night to let um, like those water um, water candles out mm. in his honor. Mm-hmm. And his dad held my hand and he said, I love you. And I don't know how to thank you. And, oh, my gosh. Uh, these kids give me the reason to fight, to see my children excel, to see my niece in UCLA excel. She's going for her master's mm. in doctrine. Wow. I am supposed to celebrate that greatness. She's doing a combined, wow. a combined, and a black trans woman. Um, Twinkles Pauls is going to school to become a social worker and lawyer. This is the work. Mm. My son Shane used to be a cop in Guyana and and because he was community he was almost killed in Guyana. This he's here. He's thriving. He is working. He is beautiful. Mm. These are the lives I'm celebrating because these kids are invested in me and I'm deeply invested in them. Mm. And my staff. My staff are young a couple of them are young cis young men and they're learning tolerance and they're going to school and they're giving me everything I need to do this work. And I'm teaching them how to work with our community so they can tell their friends and teach their friends tolerance in order to break this cycle of ignorance that parents have taught. We must teach these young people how to do this Mm -hmm. and do it in a way that doesn't harm us. So that that's what it's about. And, you know, in some of this, I take a beating. I have no private life. I don't have a love life, but I have lots of love around me. Mm. Do I feel lonely a lot of the times? Yes, but I don't give a damn. I Do I really want somebody in my life right now? No, because, bitch, I may not cook for you. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you got to think, if I had a relationship right now, who would want more attention, my community or or my partner? Mm. So I, I go with community. And this is why I keep these people around, because they keep me vibrant and they keep me present and they keep me ap- active, but they keep me humble. Mm. And that humbleness mm. is what this work should be built on. When people get to a certain level, they get so big headed and so stupid that they're untouchable. You get to a yeah. certain level where you believe you are God. I am nothing like God. I am a hoe and a sinner and a backslider, and we can just keep going and going and going. But I have God in my life, and my God has taught me to do the things I'm doing. And that's something not even our commissioner, our governor, our mayor in New York City is doing. With all the privilege in this goddamn world, Who stepped up to do exactly what I'm doing? I'm not looking for rewards. I deserve many. I deserve a Nobel Prize for what I'm about to fart out my ass, (laughs) which is housing. Uh. But I believe in our community, and that's better than prizes. I believe in these young people getting scholarships and getting degrees because that's my present. You get that. you, You you graduated. I just got a diamond ring because that's mm. the diamond. That's the pearl. That's the source. That's the food that feeds my soul. You know, you really do sound like a proud parent. <laughs> sometimes really, and sometimes I'm an evil parent. <laughs> I could be tough. I could be tough, mm. but I don't try to stay in the toughness. I try to remember that we have all been through a process of some kind of pain. Mm. 
I've seen it all. I've slept on a train. I slept in a park, but I've had Miss Major Griffin Gracie to catch me. Sharon Grayson, Jack Dorishow, Flawless Sabrina. I've had guidance. Coco Chanel Rodriguez. I've had the guidance of a lifetime. Mm. And all of them have a different aspect in their leadership and their presence in my life. And I've, I've literally embodied some of all of them, especially Miss Major, the salty bitch in me. That's Miss Major. <laughs> that is mama. So mama gave me that salty side. Flawless Sabrina gave me that love every child and open your door. Create a door, build a door, build a, build a window that people can walk through. You know, break the glass ceiling. She taught me a lot. Mm. She gave me a lot. Coco gave me all my street sense and taught me everything about crack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> life lessons. And, and, you know, I needed that. I needed to go through every bump and bruise that I went through, and especially my parents, because the denial in their lives created a mogul today. Mm. What I am doing is iconic. And I'm still a hoe. Yeah. So let's let's <laughs> not let's not remove that. I want to ask about you just talked about some of the the women in your life who were leaders to you um, and left you with with something. What is like a message? or a, a, a trait that people you want to share with people who are listening about, you know, what, what the world needs more of or the work that needs to be done. You know, what do you want people to show up with in the world? I want them to show up. I want them to wake up. People are saying that people are, well, no, they're not stupid motherfuckers. They're still asleep. Mm. They need to wake up. They need to wake up and be present. Do something different. Inspire yourself to inspire others. That is my motto. Mm. When you can lend an ear to someone in need, you have just lengthened your life. When you can make someone smile or laugh, you have just lengthened their life. You have stretched out their lifespan. And I try to do that. And I think if we're all as parents, as as someone who loves people, and as someone who often gets disappointed by people, I'm still creating. I'm still creating. I'm never ending. I'm always believing that there is a better part of humanity, and it's in us. It's that little dark, it's that little dim light that you can turn into a bright light. Mm -hmm. It, it's all in us. We just have to believe and we have to let go and let God because there's something in letting go that gives you the strength to do everything. If we had a magic wand <laughs> and we could kind of conjure anything for your community or just for the Glitz community, the work you're doing, um, what would you ask for? What do you need more of? More equity about $10 billion to buy all the nice spots in New York mm. City for my community. And literally $5 billion for scholarships. If we're going to have, if we're going to have our just rewards for everything society's taken from us, we all need to have scholarships to go to college, to go to school. And it needs to be free. The government should have did this. 32 black trans women have been killed since January. Last year, 27. 
how how much long and throughout a lifetime, how many of our community has been murdered, have been homeless, have not had access? We deserve it. Mm. If they're going to build all these these mutual aids and stuff like that, we need our government to invest in us. Billions of dollars will educate queer and, and trans people and, and put them at the forefront of education so they can be at the forefront of sustainability, which is the forefront of creating housing. Because if you can have sustainability and housing, you're able to do it all. You're able to actually grow and watch yourself growing. And in that growing is creativity and you're figuring out how to capture your star and move forward. Cayenne, thank you so much for sharing with us. And also thank you for your, the leadership in your own community, but it's also, you know, reached out to Naj and I, and so many others. So thank you for all of the work that you've done and, and for spending an hour with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm still a messy old bitch. So <laughs> let's, not, <laughs> let's not think I'm Mother Teresa or any of this shit. But I'm just Cayenne and that's all I am. And I'm somebody that believes in all of us. to connect with Cayenne and Glitz, which I'm sure you do, <laughs> visit glitzinc.org or follow Cayenne on Instagram at Dora Show. D-O-R-O Show. Uh, and thank you to the team. Thank you, Rosanna Caban for engineering and editing, Greg David for his design work, and Katie O'Connell for marketing this episode. You can find out more about the work Kevin, Kai, and I do as people and company helping organizations get clearer on who their most important communities are and how to build with those people by heading to our website, peopleand.company. Also, if you want to start your own community or supercharge one you're already a part of, our handbook is here for you. Visit gettogetherbook.com to grab a copy. It's full of stories and learnings from conversations with community leaders like this one with Cayenne. And last thing, if you enjoyed the podcast, please review us or click subscribe. It helps get these stories out to more people. Thank you, everybody. Talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you.